Poet Revolt Cosmetics helps you shine in all your moments with a variety of clean, cruelty-free, and non-sticky lip glazes. This makeup artist created and approved brand carefully curates clean ingredients including peppermint to help you feel good and do good as a portion of proceeds goes to selected mentorship programs that give youth and young adults the confidence and tools to be successful. Holt Revolt offers long-lasting shine and moisture, and this is the part I'm excited about, Taylor. Tell me about it. <laughs> Holt Revolt is also offering our listeners a 10% discount off your next purchase using code CIRCLE when you check out. Get glazed today at HoltRevolt.com. That's H-A-U-T-E-R-E-V-O-L-T.com. Awesome. Go check it out, y'all. Check it out. Say hey, y'all. It's Amber Sheree. It's Hayley. And it's the Inner Circle Podcast. Circle Podcast. Hey, y'all. This is Amber Sheree. And Taylor Bree is here. And this is the Inner Circle Podcast. Welcome back, y'all, to another week. Hey, y'all. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am excited to be back. How are you, Amber? I'm excited, but also, like, there was a couple of things that happened, specifically one thing that kind of made me sad this week. Hmm. Um, and so... Uh, I don't know if you guys follow the read, um, but I am a um, an advocate, or not an advocate. Advocate's not the right word. Stan. Uh, I don't know if I would go that far. I like the read. I yes. like. I I like it. I, it it's a little inappropriate, but sometimes. But they it it's so it is very funny, and it's a way for me. It's kind of like it's kind of like reality TV like it's an escapism yeah and so one of the things like so if you guys are actually the read listeners you'll know that they have stopped taping right now yeah and so um the last episode so I was catching up on the last episodes uh, and the the one that I caught up on because I was going to start from the most recent and go backwards was the worst one to start with yeah and I was just I literally wanted to give Kid Fury like a hug yeah and I even like I even started like instant messaging like dming him and just so that he knows like obviously I'm sure there was an outpour of you know messages to him but I just to feel his pain through that episode I I just felt so bad like I just wanted to just hold him and so that kind of like made me sad and it made me think about how life is so precious yeah um and how everybody just deals with their own things that are going on and I just my heart goes out to him that I hope that he can just hang in there you know hang in there we'll see him when he gets back you know um that someone's constantly watching him and seeing if he's okay and taking care of him and I just, I know, my heart went out to him. So yeah, I definitely thought you were going to tell me something different because that episode is about a month old at this. Yeah. Uh, 
great. Mm-hmm. Yes, I I check back every week just to see how it is. And um, yeah, definitely um, you could see it in the other podcasts too. So yep. the friend zone and then also Jaden XD. So all of them are a community of friends. Um, and you just kind of see it where uh, kind of I none of them actually said his name at all but I know in Jaden XD like they said something about like they had a friend um, and that could have been worse and things like that so I know how hard it is dealing with friends who um, are going through it so if anyone has any resources of course like tag us in it and things like that otherwise um it it is very hard it's something that's very hard because it it is very individual and you never know you know how someone's really doing like I I can totally see how like we didn't peep it but there was one week that I was like oh kid fairy is not here for this right now when they were reading the letters he was Mm -hmm. like I don't know what you guys want me to say yeah I I think it was about the uh was it about the girl that oh man it's always about a girl um it was one of the most recent ones like right before that it was like the like two before that and he was like I don't really have anything to say because I don't care and it was like uh, <laughs> yeah. and I was like yeah all right uh, so yeah anyways we don't want to spend too much time yeah. on that but yeah yeah definitely definitely do send our love and thoughts and hope that you feel better um and find what it is that makes you happy and makes you feel that life is worth living um I know you've had years on this planet to um maybe try something different maybe but that's all I have to say I don't know on a positive note before we move on um my kid so we're getting prepared Mm. for him to um get prepared for kindergarten now for those that know how old my kid is you're like why the hell are you doing like it's not even close yet literally I don't care so um they have like kindergarten enrollment classes or enrollment in like the winter time. And granted, there's no way the state of Indiana is going to let me enroll my kid at all at this age. But um, I, w- I want to get familiar with the staff there. So mm-hmm. um, I'm going to send a letter, not a letter. Why are we writing letters? An email <laughs> to them and like try to introduce myself and get on their radar because I don't know I'm just so excited to I mean I'm not trying to speed up his growth I'm not trying to make him older than what he is he's about to be three but I am excited to kind of get involved in like his education and start that journey because I already know once like elementary hits and you get all this like little league stuff and if your kid's good and it just goes overboard like I better cherish the moments while I have them of the time <laughs> that I have where I can just take them to daycare all day instead of like running around the world but yeah. I'm just excited because he we went through some of the like pre-k type stuff and I've been doing like some YouTube videos with him and like Spanish and we found like rock and play or rock and learn on YouTube 
Mm-hmm. And he like literally knows everything that's in his like age group section, like two to three. Yeah. He's like, yeah, I know all my colors. I know all these things. And so now we're moving on to like vowels and learning like uh, how to cite words and stuff. And I'm like, yeah. dog, you're so much more advanced than I ever was at your age. And so yeah. he's going to be a rock star when he gets into school. So yeah. let him let him age naturally. But also uh, <laughs> I see the ga- the guidance and everything. That's awesome. Yeah. And he, he already kind of knows how to read a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, We'll yeah. sit down and it. it may be memory, but also that memory piece comes into learning. Okay, so if this is box, if they say box and I see the word, like it's a memory, but then you learn the letters at the same time and the sounds and everything. So that's really exciting because he'll be reading. Yeah, I'm sure. And by the time he goes to kindergarten. Yeah. <laughs> because <laughs> we have it we always do this like every night we'll read books before we go before he goes to bed mm-hmm. and um like of course I will read it and mm-hmm. he'll ask questions about mm-hmm. what's going on in the book but mm-hmm. then at the end we didn't do it tonight but I will give him the book and he reads it to me mm-hmm. and so like obviously he's he's a visual and a audio auditory learner Mm-hmm. And so he listens, but then also I think the pictures kind of help him to understand like what he's listening mm-hmm. to and be able to recognize what parts of the story that yeah. he's at. And I don't know, it's just so cute seeing like a little kid just so excited to learn because I feel like most adults are like, this is the way I am. I don't care, you know, like <laughs> take me as I am. And so to kind of get someone that's like asking or get a human that's like asking questions and is so excited to like learn new things, it's just refreshing if you have the patience. So, so yeah. Patience and patience. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so Taylor, how's your week going so far? My week is going okay. Um, I, this weekend, spent a lot of time in the African community, which was really cool with like uh, African Street Fest. And then we did the Taste of Chicago and I had my cousin come, our cousin come, um, Kaya. She's been on the podcast before. So those of y'all who remember, it was back like season one, I think. And it was last season too, because she came on. Oh yeah, and graduating again. Exactly. So um our last season (laughs) but but last weekend she was here as well so um we had a a very good weekend lots of partying and uh, meeting new people I'm like kind of over it I'm like now (laughs) getting to the point where I'm excited that I have some loved ones coming to the city and we're going to have some staycations so um I'm excited about that so this weekend I'll have three more weekends left here and this weekend's my only one to myself um so I'm going to be a tourist in my own city and do some little fun things and stuff but I tried out the Starbucks roastery today um and myself being as bougie as I am I got like this whole, um, I use the siphoning, uh, technique. So all the geeks out there, basically it's like, uh, uh, Erlenmeyer flask at the bottom and it boils 
it goes through the second chamber and all the water like the pressure temperature heat all like drives this reaction so the water evaporates to the top it fills up the top um lid I guess you could call it the top cup and then you like mix the coffee through take it off the heat and then it comes back down into the Erlenmeyer flask so it's quite a um journey journey but it only takes a minute and a half and they say it's the fastest way to brew coffee and the highest quality coffee too. So um, I had a Rwandan, I had Colombian, uh, Las Margaritas is what that one's called. That one's the most unique. It has like heavy fruit flavor in it. So it was pretty cool. Um, and then I had this other one that I ended up asking him to pour over ice and then splash the milk to get through. Uh, yeah. um, it's like one of their most popular blends called Paradisi, but it just wasn't my favorite. Um, so long story short, I'm just trying to get all that I can out of Chicago before I leave. Next week is my last week at work. So um, that's kind of cool. And I'm just kind of taking this time to chill um the active rest right now and then a rest rest coming soon before I get into school very nice I um just wanted to say that it doesn't have to be your very last time because you know I'll go up to Chicago for no reason um and so you can always get (laughs) in the car with me I got a doctor's appointment coming up at the end of August I'll be in Chicago for September Sam gets married I will definitely be in Chicago for well you need a plus one I definitely think I would uh (laughs) for the the wedding yeah Yeah. I mean usually Nick would be your plus one but if Nick didn't go (laughs) I'm trying to go up there for Labor Day because that's our anniversary I have a photo shoot earlier that day um to get new headshots like I'm not important y'all but uh I'm also changing my hair so I want to go up there maybe I might convince Nick to do like a a overnight thing yeah we can like I'll already be dolled up and pretty I don't want my always pretty oh thank you you will be Uh, up though yeah (laughs) so I'm like after the last shot let's drop the kid off and like go spend a night in Chicago Mm-hmm. And then come back maybe like, you know, late the next day. So I might yeah. have to just plan that because he'll say no. So I'll just plan it. So money is already spent. He'll have to go. Um, <laughs> so, but yeah, I, you let me know in the fall, especially like we normally, we we're probably going to make it a, a family thing every year where we go and take junior to um, around Christmas time. Mm-hmm. So if you want to come with us, you know, you can always come. So I'll, you can get in the car with us anytime to go to Chicago. Yes. It's different when you live here, though. That's the only biggest thing. Like I went to the grocery on my lunch break. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like, yeah, nice um, that I'm able to uh, have this experience and do all the things while I'm here and not have to pay for a hotel. <laughs> so yeah. it's like all of those well, things. If that you have I- friends, you don't have to pay for a hotel. We never. Yeah. See, that's the thing. It's like I'm like my own space. But then I also haven't made any like mm, 
I've made friends here, but not that I would ask to stay with. You know what I mean? Understood. Yeah. Yeah. Understood. Well, Taylor, I think that's a good stopping point unless you want to provide <laughs> more of your uh, Chicago experience. Okay. What is the word of the week? So the word of the week is actually a concept. Um, we talked about it a little bit in this episode. And so I thought that it would be good for me to maybe give a definition and dive a little bit deeper into it. So um we talked about the belief effect um, during this episode coming up. Um, and so the definition of a belief effect, this comes from the NCBI. I'm getting this from um, the PubMed Central, which is a journal, a scientific journal article uh, platform through the National Institute of Health. Um, so it says that the belief effect is a very lively exploration of the role of placebo, my God, in the development of medicine and its more recent use as a tool for medical research. Um, and to dive a little bit more into what the belief effect is, it's when someone believes that they are receiving a medicine. However, it is a placebo, which is something that does not have medicine um, in it. It is a fake, some may say. It is cap, um, as the kids may say. So it would be like if someone, if you're trying to test if um, ibuprofen actually decreases a fever, you would give it to a person with a fever maybe and see if that uh, brings down their temperature. Um, and then the placebo would be like a sugar tablet that looks like ibuprofen and the person takes it, believes it's ibuprofen and then see what effect that has on the actual um, uh, measurement. So that's like if the fever comes down. So we talked about this in the sense of children believing if they are good or if they're bad. So even if a child is behaving bad and you say they're good, if they believe they're good, that could change and influence their behavior. Um, and so I definitely don't know everything there is to know about the placebo, um, the belief effect, in the sense that there's scholarly journals on this, but it just further harps on the point that anyone, um, kind of like if they believe in themselves, they're able to achieve what they believe they can achieve, even though there's, there's lots of other um, factors externally that come into that. However, on the core about believing um, something's working or not is, is a big part of someone's overall success and their trajectory, um, especially for children. So um, that's a little bit of the science behind it. Um, if you guys want the actual article that I just cited a little bit off of, it comes out of the JR Sociology Medical or Medicine, Sociology and Medicine Journal. Um, and 
yeah share it in the show notes and the listeners can can read it in their free time yeah so the science is still out to the jury about how it works but um yeah the belief effect it's a thing if you believe something's working it can change your biochemistry for it to actually work with the um, medicine but uh and for in terms of beliefs and like children liking to do certain things um I think it's important that you use careful language around children so yes well cool well that is a good segue to our uh our guest I can't get it out our guest this week <laughs> um Mike Spencer so if you guys have if you've gone to IU and you've are in either the biology or the business school briefly or the uh, phase mentoring space. Um, Also men of color, women of color, um, like groups, then you guys are very familiar with him. He's also very, very um, active in the community um, and he's in administration as a principal Mm -hmm. for a um, middle school. And so Mike Spencer came on this week and it was just awesome because we really intermix consistently the entire time, medicine, the medical field and um, in the youth and how our experiences from when we are younger and Taylor talked about the belief effect and how it really um, can change the trajectory of, um, of of a human from a child to an adult and, and not giving up on your dreams. And so Mm. this was, um, a really good interview. And so we hope that you guys enjoy it. And again, Mike, we appreciate you coming on this week to share uh, your talents and insight with us. So enjoy guys. Enjoy. Hey guys, so as you know in the intro, uh, we already said who we're going to have this week, uh, but I wanted to just provide a little bit of background on how I know our speaker. So this podcast week, we have Michael Spencer. So I had an opportunity. One, I wanted to just hail Michael Spencer because he <laughs> is like Com- like extremely decorated so smart um I had the opportunity to meet him when we were in undergrad we like semi worked together but not worked together uh as mentors for like undergraduate and from there we had opportunities to like do you know as a class setting for us as a group we had opportunities to do presentations like you know just meetings about different things that were going on with some of the students that we were serving but then after we graduated from school, he's a year younger than me, y'all. Um, <laughs> but he kind of went on to this whole trajectory of like being awesome. Uh, and Nick, actually, when we moved back from Chicago, Nick went to the Urban League um, National Conference. That was a few years ago, I think prior to COVID, if I'm not mistaken. All the years are running together at this point. <laughs> um, and so they had an opportunity to meet each other there and then they connected on a coffee uh, coffee chat. And so when Nicholas came home, he was like, yeah, so do you know 
a, a Michael Spencer. And I was like, yes, I know who Michael Spencer is. And so <laughs> from there, we had an opportunity to have dinner uh, with him and his partner, Jaleesa King, which you guys have had an opportunity to meet her in like, I don't know, season three. It's a while ago. Yeah, two or three. It's been a while ago where she wrote a book. And so this is her other half. Um, and so he is here one, we wanted to bring him on because he like, I can't even explain. He'll talk about all of his accolades, but he has made such an impact, not one only in college, but two in the youth of Indianapolis. Um, and then he is planning on going back to med school this fall. Mm -hmm. And so there's just so much in like complexity and Mike that we just wanted to really bring him on and show him or talk to him about all the things that he has going on, but then also to pick his mind about the youth and then why he decided to go to medical school. And so Mike, I know I've said, uh, you know, everything about you. So welcome to the podcast. Thank Yay. you. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. Yes. Awesome. Thank you guys for having me. <laughs> of course. So, okay. He's my, also something that's important to throw in is kind of like we're coming in at the same time to the same school. So I do want to call you a classmate, but I don't know. What do we, <laughs> what do we call each other? I don't know. Cause we won't be in the same classes, of course, different programs, but very excited that we'll get to see each other more too. So um, I do want to hear a little bit though. So you go to IU, you get your degree. Tell us a little bit more about like that journey to education. Yeah. So, and we'll probably talk about a little bit more about this later, but I, education was really important to me. So I always tell people, you know, I struggled a lot um, <laughs> academically, socially, emotionally through school. Um, mm -hmm. And so I went to IU. Um, That's where me and Amber first met, obviously was really involved there biology major and was and was headed to medical school. Mm -hmm. um, but I had the opportunity to kind of observe classrooms. Um, you know, as you're kind of getting into the end of your senior year, it wasn't the right time to go to med school. And so I really started thinking about what do I what do I do next. And yeah. as I uh, went and visited classrooms, as I was considering teaching, I felt myself in those seats. Mm -hmm. um, and so really just kind of got an education and, and, and the rest is history. Um, went there, served as a teacher um, for a few years and then an assistant principal and principal um, and really just was able to, you know, hopefully make a difference in the lives of, of all my students. And I always tell people I, I, I went there thinking that I was going to make a difference, but really um, the kids really made a difference in my life and probably wouldn't be headed where I'm going if it weren't for them. And so, um, you know, just education is really important and working with, with the youth is really important. And so That's look awesome. forward to, to a challenge, but, yeah. <laughs> but I think the kids are doing it. But, uh, so two questions, what yeah. subject did you teach when you started? And also what was the age um, or grade that you taught? Yeah, so I taught math and science um, and it was eighth grade through 12th grade. So yeah. primarily, I taught primarily ninth grade uh, biology and then um, I had to throw, teach some algebra and then I taught advanced eighth grade science as well. So I worked at a, I taught at a seven through 12 school. Very cool. Yeah. I, I think that's so awesome because in the STEM field, you don't see a lot of people of color um, teaching in high school or in, um, in uh, primary schools but 
I, I guess I, I think um, high school is considered secondary, right? But either way, um, you don't see them before college, at least I didn't. And you especially don't see Black men on top of that teaching in those type of settings. So I'm sure did that play a little bit into your decision to go into education, like being a representation of like someone for them or was it just kind of like this is what make fills my cup and hopefully someone else like it benefits well what I will say I think you hit it right on the head Taylor is like I've I did not grow up having a lot of black male teachers period I mean they usually were especially not in the stem fields and so I don't think that when I originally said I was going to go teach that it had to do with me wanting to be a representative um, of black men but mm-hmm. I definitely saw the impact of that once I was doing mm-hmm. it. yeah um, I think for students to see that people that look like them can do science and can do math I think does make a big impact yeah. and we you know students don't really see themselves doing those are like some of the hardest topics that kids hate um, yeah. <laughs> especially black, black and brown kids and so I think for them yeah. to see like wow that that could be like my big brother or my uncle or someone um, that could be me teaching I think it did have an impact, but I don't think I realized the impact when I signed up for it as much as I did when I was in it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And then also I asked about the grades because you say like the, of course, medical school is going to be a challenge, but uh, I would argue that teaching eighth graders or high schoolers in general is is equally a challenge as well. <laughs> That's what I tell myself when people are like, are you ready? I'm like, man, I taught middle school and, and high schoolers. I think I can handle medical school. So I hope you're right, Taylor. I hope you're right. I, I hope I'm right too. <laughs> but also, I know that like at the end of the day, so when you talk about timing too, um, knowing when you're ready, like I saw this quote that was like, there's never the right time. You just make a decision and do exactly. it. But I, I mean, yes and no, right? Like I, what is something I, I'll just talk about it from my perspective of like taking time off before applying. Yeah. And, um, you know, I was even about to submit a year prior for app for applying to schools and I just didn't think it was the right time and so waited did it this year and I feel a lot more comfortable and a lot more fulfilled in what I've done professionally to go back so relating that to your journey and the sense of like when when did the timeline start like applying (laughs) and everything like that you know what I mean like I know when you first were in undergrad you thought like you wanted to go to med school, but then you taught. And then when did you kind of feel like more ready to apply maybe or something like that? Yeah. I mean, I always tell people that I prayed a lot to like, you know, I think I wanted to be in education and I, and I wanted to, the desire to go to medical school to kind of fade away. (laughs) You know, I think that it is hard to like change careers. I've been able to be in education. I was pretty successful. I felt fulfilled. I loved my students, but it was always this like part of my heart that really wanted to go to medical school. And so I will say that it's always been like an internal battle of Mm -hmm. I'm doing this. Is this really, is this what God's calling me to do? I've been successful Mm -hmm. in doing it. Um, and so I think that it's just been a lot of conversations with myself. I think earlier I mentioned how students really impacted me. Yeah, I've been really big in, you know, through my whole educational career and really making sure that students live lives of their choosing 
um, mm-hmm. and doing what they want to do. Yeah. And so I think just me instilling that in students, I think they've instilled it in me back. It's like, hey, you don't want to be, you know, you don't want to get to retirement and always wish that you would have went back to do mm. that. Um, and I think what you said earlier really resonated with me is that it is it is actually the most inconvenient time right now, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I have I have real responsibilities, real bills, you know, real things to do. And I'm and I'm saying that I'm going to take a risk and I'm going to go to med school because I want to. It is not yeah. the it is not the most opportune time to do so. So, you know, I think that, um, you know, you just have to make a choice to do it. And there's yeah. no time like the present. So my journey has been, I think, I, I think, sorry, I know you asked a question too about kind of the timeline. And I would say there's just been many points throughout the last 10 years where I have been more leaning harder into going to med school than not. Yeah. Um, but I think now things kind of perfectly aligned to That's where it awesome. just makes sense to go now. So I like how when you, oh, go ahead, Taylor. Oh, I just said that's awesome. I was going to say, I like when you had mentioned like making sure that you're, you as like pretty much control over over a school really helping those children understand like their dreams and kind of like cultivating that and helping them like think about what they want to do mm-hmm. from like an, an administ well I guess in all aspects when you ha- when you were a teacher all the way up to you running the school how were you able to you know, help children know that they don't have to go into sports or they don't have to do, you know, all these other different things that there are opportunities to do um, other stuff. And I I guess I can give you a little bit of background why I'm asking this question, because I know when I was, you know, middle school, um, not so much high school, I wanted to be a writer. I used to write all the time, used to enter into writing contests and different things like that. And it wasn't until I had the opportunity to do Academy of Finance is when I just explored business. And then my um, aunt and uncle were also accountants. So then that kind of helped like shape where I am now. But I did not see, you know, outside of those two, didn't really see a lot of accountants or people in business, especially not no Black women. And so how were you able to kind of help these children know that, hey, these are some other avenues that you can go into and I guess give them the opportunity to kind of meet people in those fields. Well, you know, as a, as a black, you know, so if, if you're thinking about the professions where we see the most black men, let's use that as an example, where, where do you guys think about? <laughs> like, where athletics. do we see, you see yeah. athletics, you watch TV, yeah. you see it, like people talk about it. I'm, I'm really big on like, this is where people like kids want to be what they see. And yeah. if they don't see themselves and other things outside of sports, no, we have our, you know, our kids are good at sports. And I want, I always tell students like, listen, go be an NBA player. Don't forget about Mr. Spencer. I want some, of the, I want some of those <laughs> proceeds. You know, I dealt with you while you were in ninth grade, but I also want you to know that you have options and that if, you know, if that doesn't work out or if it does and you decide you want to do something else that you're capable of doing whatever you want to do. Yeah. And so I think my role as an educator was always to expose our students to seeing people that were doing a variety of different things where they could actually see themselves doing it. Mm. And then also just believing in them. You know, I think for a long time, we have adults have made choices for kids based off what we think their capacity is. Instead of Mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to prepare you to do anything you want to do. So that when you do become a senior in high school, you say, I want to go to college or you say, I want to go play sports or I want to go to be a mechanic. But that's a choice that you can make because we prepared you to do literally anything. 
Yeah. Um, and we believe that you were capable of really doing anything. And I didn't put these limitations on you when you were yeah. so early. So I would just say like having high expectations and also just exposing students, mm. just ensuring that they can see people who look like them doing a variety of different things mm-hmm. because there's many people doing that. Yeah. And I think that also plays into like the mentorship that um, how you and Amber met or maybe you were doing it before as well. But just the thought of like in college, having someone who can maybe guide you along the way and help you to become who you want to be, not exactly who they are. is like I I see that. And that's awesome. Um, I do have a question. So with that being the case, like with children developing who they are, they're a little, they're not, they're not children, but they're youth, you know, like in the sense of they're under 18. So how do you expose them to other things? Because they're not necessarily, you know, ready for internships, maybe, let's say, unless they're like in their last two years of high school. So like, did, how do you foster that in children or high schoolers? Well, I think, I mean, I always, it wasn't even about what, what kids were interested in because sometimes students aren't interested in stuff they don't know about. So yeah. I think my job was just to look wide and, and broad when I was mm. looking for opportunities. I know we used to um, partner with, I think it was women in tech. Um, we would like take all of our students to IUPUI's campus and like allow them to kind of see what women can do in tech because you don't see a lot of women doing that and so I was always just kind of like looking for opportunities for our students to engage in things that they maybe they didn't maybe they didn't like it or maybe they're like wow I actually do like that and so I think you're right they weren't able to necessarily do internships but Mm -hmm. what I you know just do networking and opportunities of you know in college Mm -hmm. meeting people um I used to just look through my network and say, how can I get more and more people? Like Amber said, you know, there's not a lot, there's not a lot of black women in business, alone black women, but I have that in a friend in Amber and, a, you know, mm-hmm. went to college with her that I could say, Hey, like, let's get in your network and see how we can get those people in front of kids. So I tried to do that a lot. Yeah. Um, and just making sure that we use language that was also kind of inclusive of a lot of different things. Yeah. Don't always talk about sports when yeah. you're talking to kids. Cause they're not interested in that. So yeah. those were kind of some things we tried to do. Oh, that's awesome. Do they yeah. still have um like bring your parent to the school day or like you know or uh like professionals like yeah. day for so okay. Yeah, we okay. used to do that. We would bring parents or people that knew parents and yeah. Uh, we would do that a lot, yeah. Okay. I um getting ready to do that for junior Amber when you uh you, you can't wait for that. <laughs> Amber day. would love to. I'll be there. It just depends on if Junior wants me to be there. He might be like, oh God, my mom's here. Because <laughs> um, Junior thinks he's smarter than everybody. Oh right? yeah. We were arguing about colors earlier today. He was like, that is red. I'm like, that's clearly not red, but it's okay. Well, we know I'll that let they you say men, it. we have some colorblind stuff too. So yeah. <laughs> well, in this case, he wasn't wrong because Amber was calling it purple and it wasn't that's true it was pink (laughs) but he was calling it red but but... he called it red so anyway (laughs) (laughs) um I was gonna say the last time I've been I I had the opportunity to do like professional day uh Asura had asked me like when I first started like working and those kids whoa I was not ready for those high school kids they were like 
first of all, they didn't want to talk to me. And then they were like, who's this chick? And then once she started getting a little bit more warmed up, then they started asking me like how much money I make, how, how, where do I, uh, where, where's my office at? What car do I drive? Like, I was like, dang, you guys are all up in my business. But I will say that this to say that maybe that, I mean, I was transparent with them, um, even though it I guess, depending on like culturally, it's kind of inappropriate to ask someone their salary, <laughs> no. They have no, yeah. But, but I, yeah, but it's curious and it's good for them to know because they might not know like, and obviously it's changed a little bit with inflation and stuff, but they at least can set their, uh, set a foundation of, okay, if I go to school for X, Y, and Z, then I can make ballpark this figure. But then also too, like, I think there needs to be, Nick and I always talk about this all the time about like financial literacy in school. And I think it's so like, at least in high school, how it kind of helps students get prepared for the real world. But I think like career development also needs to be coupled coupled in there because like, I would have never, I didn't know how much accountants make. I mean, luckily we have the internet, but how do you know, you know, like, if you're being shorted or if you're not, or kind of like what you should no. be doing or whatever. No. But then also like, you know, there could be IT backgrounds or could be nurses, you know, there could be all these different things that are so important. Um, so I think the work of like still bringing in the parents and stuff like that and having, or professions and having them come in and uh, chit chat with the students is, is a good thing. Absolutely. No. And I, and I, and you're right. I mean, they ask questions and I tried to be transparent too, because they used to ask a lot of questions, but they, they, you know, Ambers, you saw my family told you, I like to ask a lot of questions too. So <laughs> uh, that's how they, <laughs> that's how they learn, right. That's how they get the information. So yeah. I think having people like you that are willing to be transparent. Yeah. As well. I do yeah. want to ask you, I'll, I'll kind of, pivot i'm just curious so what are you most excited about in going to med school yeah i know that's a weird question but yeah. i so i love school i love yeah. to learn i love science and then taylor i bet you can relate to me too like i love medicine um yeah. and i get excited to learn that i get excited to get back in that i loved working with you know i love working in education but there's something about science that I just have a passion for. I majored in it. And I, and I so I'm really excited to get back in there and learn yeah. and like engage in some hard stuff because I like hard stuff. And yeah. uh, so I know that sounds weird. Some people might be scared of that, but I, I, I I'm excited about that. Um, and I I'm just excited to be kind of opening a new chapter, yeah. a new chapter, which I think is, is just, it's something refreshing about that. Something cathartic about that is like, I'm closing something. I've been able to, to do something and make an impact. And now I'm ready to open up a new chapter so I think those are two things I'm really excited about you just yeah. used one of our words of the week cathartic <laughs> <laughs> so that's a, that's a callback to uh the listeners out there but um way, and no one coached me on that either so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Either way, um, definitely can relate to you and the love of science. And I think I, the first question that I asked you about, like, did you want to do education to be a, a representative in some way for other, you know, maybe Black children, maybe children from any 
um, historically underrepresented um, identity to be able to, you know, kind of see that, okay, well, like he could do it, I could do it type of situation, even though, you know, not anyone can do it, right? But you have to be dedicated to do it. Um, And I think for myself, like going into science, I love science. I love, uh, you know, getting to push my boundaries of understanding. And as a PhD, you know, it's going to be the bounds of anyone's understanding of a certain concept or something like that, right? So like, I think for myself, it, it, I could stay in the field that I'm in without a PhD and do well, right? And at the same time, um, I think that it's important to have somebody who is not like a tip of, I guess, white male in general (laughs) is what I was trying to avoid saying, uh, doing it where it is still pretty, um, you know, not diverse in that way, even though women in in my field specifically, and I think MD is as well, um, are the majority at this point, but it's not necessarily black women. Black women still are like 1%, under 1% or something like that. I'm not exactly sure the statistics. So, um, just relating it to that, um, and uh, representation is a really big thing. And that's kind of like what Delisa's book was about, which was really cool about when I grow up, I can be anything. So, um, yeah, so there's that. (laughs) (laughs) I I do have a question. Can you like, since we're on medical school, can you, can you tell us about like, I know you said you like science. I know you say you majored in it in undergrad, but what was your journey to like, cause no one just goes to school and says they want to do biology, you know, or pre-med. Mm. Like there has to be like some type of journey background experience that gets you to wanting to do, you know, a science field when, when you enter into college. Mm-hmm. So what was your background or your experiences or did you have a mentor or someone that you know, influenced you to kind of go to school and be a doctor? No. So um, I did a lot of like volunteering when I was growing up and I went to a, um, and Amber, you might remember, my mom mentioned this, like mm-hmm. when I was younger, I went to like a, a medical camp um, over the summer where you learn like CPR and you learn to take vitals and suture stuff. And so I really started getting interested in medicine then. I'm just like, wow, I like this. I like this stuff. Um, I think people kind of have this thing of, oh, I like to help people. Obviously you can help people in different areas. Amber, you help people every day. Taylor's going to be helping and continues to help people. So any field you can do that. I think the way in which you help people has to feel right for you. And medicine has always felt right for me. Um, I also continue to like volunteer and like in hospitals and interacting with patients. And I realized that when people are not well, they are at their most vulnerable. Mm -hmm. And so how awesome is it to be able to serve people when they're at their most vulnerable um, to help them live their best lives? And so I think that for me, I was like, I love science. I love medicine. I love learning. I would love a career in which I can constantly be learning as well as making the biggest impact that I, that I possibly can. And I think that when you're working with people, when they literally depend on you and they, they have to trust you, um, is a pretty big responsibility. That's just kind of been something that I really want to do. So when I got to college, I knew I was going to be pre-med, but I also, um, did business. I was directed into the Kelly School of Business. I always really wanted to be an administrator, like a hospital administrator. Um, but then I realized you can major in anything you want. So I was like, oh, I'll do business and then I'll do um, 
I'll take the pre-med class. And then I realized like both of those are difficult within itself. Really? <laughs> yeah. So I was like, I need to pick one. And biology was the one that allowed me to get all my prerequisites done in the, mo- the least complex way possible. So that's okay. why I wanted to with both. Yeah. I could only imagine at a big school like IU, like not being the major and trying to get into those prereqs would be pretty challenging. But that is also a really good um, point to bring up to everyone. Like, I know when I was touring, because I, I flirted with med school, when I was tutoring or touring uh, med school, not tutoring, uh, <laughs> I got to meet someone who was a dance major yeah. um, who came over. And then there's someone who's like Spanish major, just as long as you get your prereqs done. Like that's something they, I think yeah. most people on the way to med school know at this point, but if you don't now, you know. Um, so there's that, but I also, if this is just kind of like a fun question, if it wasn't a doctor, could you think of another, well, I guess you did education. So never mind. <laughs> I was no, going to say, no, I don't think that's an, I don't, education was as an accident. I would probably always say I would probably do something in like informatics or computer science. Or ah, okay. Yay. So I guess it wasn't a bad question because I was like, he actually did do something else. So <laughs> and I kind of want to go backwards because I just oh, learned dang. something new today. Oh. I didn't know you were in the Kelly School of Business or yeah. what? My first semester. Yeah. Oh my God. So we need to take this offline because <laughs> I must have like, and I didn't drink that much during undergrad. Like I was pretty sober, but there's, there must be some type of memory block. Cause I'm like, Michael was in, was in uh, Kelly. I'm like, I'm sure we probably had what you did a 100. Yeah, I did. Yeah. Did you cook? So a 100, what are K201? I did. I did uh, that. I did K201. I can't remember all of the other ones. I okay. also... Yeah, I did. So I did the introductory classes and then okay. I was like, I'm doing this. But you were a year ahead of me, correct? That's true. Yeah, that's true. But yeah. sometimes that doesn't matter because I have, when I was taking A100, there were some like sophomores and juniors in that. <laughs> oh, yeah. True. I mean, obviously, probably not junior because by that time, you probably are not going to get in business school on the most part. Sometimes. Just yeah, yeah, yeah. But true. what'd you say? I say, yeah, that's true. You're right. Yeah, I was like, you know what? Is there other lines that have paths that we've crossed along the way? You know, like I'm just like, you know what? Me and you need to sit down and have a coffee and go down memory lane. And then, <laughs> and then after that, I went into like minors. I think I minored in, um, I minored in something in SPI after that, like hospital administration. Okay, okay. Switched out. Which yeah. is actually a good fit. So let's pivot to that. So hospital administration. Mm-hmm. So. Also, too, let's touch on, so the difference between SPIA and, and Kelly pretty much is, I mean, we talked about this a little bit in Jonathan's episode about the difference between the two, but at the basic fundamentals, they're both business related. And so they're just different types. It's like, do you want to go into auditing, you know, and, you know, like a whole bunch of like accounting operations, you know, or do you want to go into more of like the government, the environment, you know, Mm. uh, people related. That's how I kind of look at the difference between spirit. You can, but then there's also some that are mixed. There's Kelly school of business, you know, students that are taking spirit classes, vice versa, you know, it just depends on what year, what you want. But 
one of the things that you said that kind of like sparked up a, a light bulb to me was, you know, hospital administration, but also IU has public health in there too. So there's mm-hmm. so many other like yeah. hands you could have dipped your hands in with coupled with that biology degree. And I guess like probably public health and kinesiology. Um, and I'm like not trying like biology is I I can't take any like I'm I suck at science classes so like I put biology chemistry you know all that stuff and then kinesiology and public health are like hard too but in its own different right but I think some of the classes intermix to a certain extent obviously as you get higher up in biology you're doing more labs you're doing more you're getting prepared for medical school public health you're probably in Mike correct me if I'm wrong like public health you're getting more ready to be like serving in agencies yeah Yeah. it's usually a little bit more policy based than it is it's like kind of most people who are MPHs are are working in like health law almost yeah yeah Yeah. so my question is Mm -hmm. what made you when you were like yes I'm going to go down this biology path you already knew you were going to go to medical school you already came in doing pre-med what made you want to switch and maybe do like, you know, hospital administration versus like, let me just go get a minor in public health or let me just go get a minor in something that, I don't know, sports medicine or sports, whatever, <laughs> you know, just different things like that. Like what, what made you want to choose that versus like some of the other ones that are related to the health field? Yeah. And, you know, and I don't think I have like a good answer to that, honestly. Okay. I always okay. had this, you know, I've always had this dream of being a practitioner as well as an administrator of a hospital. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of went through, and I hope that that is a still an aspiration that I have. Yeah. Like, I to, to, I want to work with patients and I also want to, uh, you know, administer. I want to create policy and systems yeah. and, and quality uh, protocols and things like that for hospitals. Um, and so I think that was just kind of the, I, I don't think I sat down and really thought about it too much, honestly. I think I just kind of was like, oh, hospital administration, like that's, I want to be an administrator at a hospital. So I just kind of picked it. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't think I really gave it much thought actually when I decided to, to do what I decided to do. Do you think you'll do like the dual in med? So the MD and the MBA? So I will, I will get an MBA. So mark my words on that. I do not think I'll do a dual, uh, okay. mostly because I... <laughs> I'm old and I need to go ahead and get this MD uh, done and I don't need to extend it at all by getting the MD MBA. I will get the MBA when I'm an MD. So Got I, do, it. I hope to get the MBA at some point. Um, mm-hmm. If that's, you know, if I get in and they decide that's still needed, but I won't, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't think at this time that I'm going to um, do a dual degree. Yeah. That further shows like you love to learn. And I just (laughs) also recall you saying about how in, um, before undergrad and primary secondary school, um, I think you said that you had a few struggles with like, in in that. And so, um, as much as you feel comfortable, um, sharing what, if you love to learn, like, were there other factors that played into it for you? Well, I will say I, I have not always loved to learn. Um, uh-huh. So kind of growing up, especially in elementary, I did not think that I was smart, right? I thought that the reality was I just wasn't a smart person. And, uh-huh. and also a reality is when I looked at Black men in my life, the outcomes were not school. The outcomes were 
jail or, you know, death, unfortunately. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm one of the few black men in my family who went to college. Mm-hmm. And so I think that growing up, I just thought, you know, hey, I just want to make my two goals. Always my two goals were just not to go to jail and not to die and to survive. Mm-hmm. And so I just didn't think that I was smart. And, it, and when I got in middle school, I had a teacher who was like, you are so smart. I'm like, who are you, who are you talking to? <laughs> uh, he's like, you're one of the smartest people I know. You're just so smart. I'm like, do you see the grades that I have? Like, um, my mom used to always say she's seasick. And, and, uh, and you know, I used to just try to get C's and, and he told me I'm smart. So I just had that one teacher really believed in me. I was like, you're so smart. I want to take this test. And from that point forward, I was like, maybe I am smart. And um, I really start loving to learn because I saw, I started to believe in myself that I could do well. And once I started doing well, it just kind of kept going, but that took until eighth grade, honestly. Yeah. So I kind of saw that shift. See, you're yeah. about to add on a whole nother hour. Cause you brought up mindset and that's Taylor's, you know, wheelhouse and all <laughs> that stuff. I really was about to like, uh, Go ahead. that is so, that is so true because if it, you are a product of your environment and, and that includes right an environment of confidence and belief and so if you don't believe that you are something then you may not be something right so it's in that situation of like dealing with children and you having that experience just as much as you being becoming a doctor and then becoming an administrator within the hospital like you learn through experience right so like you the best administrator of the hospital is going to be someone who has experience in the hospital just like for a child uh I mean they may not have experience with like being an achiever but once somebody believes that you can be an achiever then like you said it keeps going because you see like that track record of who you are and what you are able and capable of doing. So that is just very, very like junior. I know he already is told he can be anything and he believes he is anything and everything. And I, and I see that manifesting into him as he grows. So uncle Mike will be there cheering, cheering him on every step of the way. Um, And I was also Taylor, just to go along with that, um, you know, that's why I have a bit back big pet peeve of telling kids they're bad I mean I mm. I don't like it I, I can't stand telling children that they're bad that's mm-hmm. I think they are what you say they are and mm-hmm. so if they believe that they are bad if they believe that they are someone who makes poor choices then that's what they will be and so yeah. you will never hear me refer to children as that and I don't mm-hmm. like hearing it and I think for that very reason that you just said speak life into kids not uh don't speak to their deficits you know speak yeah. about their assets and what they can be Yeah. And I guess that language piece, right, is really important. So usually if we are saying a kid is bad is because they're not complying with you. It's like, maybe you want to say you are a free thinker. (laughs) And you made a poor poor choice, maybe, because you know better than talking back to mama, right? Like, exactly. you know, that is a poor choice, but that, but you're not a poor choice. You're not a poor, you're not a bad kid. You just, you're making poor choices. It's very different. Very different. And I think that's, that's so important with children because they are quite literal too sometimes. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and yeah. I, and I think we're also, what you guys are mentioning is breaking like a generational type, I wouldn't say curse, but continuation. Because sometimes we are in a sense of like thinking that, I don't know, like I can think of 
I'll just say from my experience, I felt like some parents when we were younger, maybe didn't have like the patience level to it and (laughs) didn't necessarily want to have conversations with children. You are a child. I'm not, I don't really care if you're sad, if you're lonely, if something's wrong with you, like do what I tell you to do, you know? And so I think like what you guys are mentioning as examples of like affirmation for children, but then also I feel like there's been a pivot. Um, and I don't know, Mike, if you can talk to this, to the students that you are, um, are and were responsible for um, with just making sure that uh, to talk to them because they are people, hear them, listen to them, mm-hmm. understand why they're doing the things that they're doing, help be more of a mentor than like a authority figure and don't be so quick to like discipline them and like to the extreme to make a point or an example like how have you seen one have you seen that being the change of you know when you were coming through school versus like now people's parenting but then also can you think of a child that maybe you had experience with that you were just like, oh man, this, this little boy, you know, or someone you went to school with and you're like, man, you know, how they've changed, I guess. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think people, I think that our generation of parenting is a little bit different, um, not better, not worse, just different. Right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I would like to think we turned out okay. And our parents did the best they could, <laughs> but I do think that parenting is different. And I, and I, I you know, I don't know why that's the case, but I will say, like, being working as an educator, I do think that I'll be a much better parent. Because when you are working with a group of kids that have all types of different challenges, uh, backgrounds, and perspectives, and you have to, you can't discipline them the way that your parents would discipline you. You know, you have mm-hmm. to talk to them. You have to, <laughs> you have to <laughs> I think, will make me a little bit more patient as a, as, a, um, as, a, as a parent. But what I will say is you hit it on the head. I think we have to call it what it is. Sometimes when, when children act the way they act, it bothers us but it's, yeah. a, it's not abnormal for a child to act that way. No, it's no. okay for us as adults to be annoyed with children. And I tell them <laughs> that, like your behavior is not necessarily bad, but I'm tired of it right now, right? And I think they need to know that too. There's like, at the end of the day, like, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes it's an, it's an adult issue. Um, but I think we do have to talk. I think we do have to talk to students. We do have to let them know that it's okay to like have emotions, all different types of emotions does not make you bad because you do that. And Taylor, what you said earlier resonates, like kids are kind of a product of their environment. So at home, if you talk this way, what makes you think like, it's like some kids come to school and they don't even say yes, ma'am, no, yes, sir, to their parents. And so a teacher mm-hmm. demanding that they say that to them mm-hmm. means nothing. Yeah. Um, and so it's just literally just trying to like get to know students and, and the perspective that they, that they come and, and um, just having those conversations because they're going to be adults someday. And they're not going to have an adult that's going to be telling them what to do or a peer telling them what to do. They're going to have to make choices. I love that. And you would hate to spoil someone's love for knowledge by, you know, there's rules and guidances that you have to follow for everyone's safety. But at the end of the day, you see some of the smartest kids, like, don't continue an education because they uh, they don't like the institution of of education which it is what it is right but as much as you say like parenting is different I think teaching has became different over the years too um and have you seen that to be true well 
Yes, I will say that I've seen that to be true. You know, when I was a teacher, if you probably talked to former students, I was pretty strict, um, especially at the beginning of teaching, did kind of no nonsense. I think when I came in, I had a place of like, this is how students sat. This is what, <laughs> this is what, this is what it means to look like you're ready and Mr. Mm -hmm. So if you're not sitting yeah. this way, then you must not be ready to learn. Mm -hmm. And so yeah. I used to be like, you have to sit this way. You have to do this. You have to do that. If you need a if you need a pencil, put one finger up. If you need a piece of paper, put two fingers up. <laughs> don't talk. Don't move. Don't smile. Don't you know? I had all these rules of what kids could do. And then as it went on, I'm like, listen, like we have as adults. If you're in a if you're in a room and someone tells you how you have to sit and raise your hand and do that, you would not like it. So why do we think? that mm -hmm. children all of a sudden just grow up and they don't like it. Like nobody likes it ever. <laughs> uh, they, they didn't just become 18 and say they didn't like that. They didn't like it when they were 10. And so <laughs> I just try to remember that, you know, how the same way adults like to be treated and how they like to learn is the same way the kids like to learn. Yeah. Um, and so I think over time we, we teach differently, you know, mm -hmm. we can have a whole different hour talking about how kids are disciplined and, and my philosophy on that and stuff like that and how that's changed. But yeah. I do think the way that we um, teach and discipline in schools are, are different than how they used to be. Yeah. Um, yeah. My mom used to say she used to get the, uh, the ruler or oh, the yeah. paddle. Yeah. I got I that mean, too though. And I'm, and, and I got, I got paddle. Yeah. You know, I went to a private. Uh, I was going to uh, say mom went to a private Christian or Catholic school. All girls. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we didn't I'm, just get paddle. We got like popped upside the head too. So oh, <laughs> yeah. they did the knuckles. They yeah, did we, the knuckles for the girls. That was nice. That was nice if they did that. Like my teacher walked by and said, "Mike, why said stop talking?" And popped me right upside the head. Oh dang! Um, so wild. It was like grandma, you know, grandma. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so wild. You, you, I mean, like you think. I mean, and yeah. I mean, you think you send your kid to private school and I'm, I'm sure not all of them and yeah. definitely not now. Right. But like <laughs> you'd send them to a private school and you think that they're given like caviar and everything for lunch <laughs> and you actually you pull up on parent teacher day or whatever. So you'll get popped in the <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I, we weren't cussing out our teachers, though, man. I tell uh, you that's real. Yeah. I, I had a student, not a student of mine, but while I was a student, a, a colleague, I don't know what you call them, but anyways, they threw a desk and not like to hit a teacher, but like in the classroom because they were so frustrated. They flipped the desk and walked out of the room. So yeah, I'm sure, <laughs> I'm sure you know, uh, there's certain like kids are different, but also at the same time, it's just like we said, kids are a product of their environment. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. well, Okay, so this is something we did not prep you for. And I guess, Amber, when you were asking, um, did we miss anything? We missed one thing. And at the end of our interviews, we do a rapid fire. Um, so we ask you um, questions that are meant to be a, a kind of quicker discussion. Um, so what's your favorite food? Pizza, cool. Or it can be, what do you think the world will look like in 10 years? Oh. Something like that. So <laughs> He's like, I'm ready for this. All right. Yes. <laughs> Got a lot um, of opinions. So hopefully I can go fast. <laughs> we won't, we don't make it super crazy. Um, okay. But yeah. So Amber, do you want to start or shall I? 
Um, I can start the softball, okay. softball one. All right. Um, so one of the things that I know about you is that you like music and you like to dance, like mm-hmm. or or experience, you know, new cultures and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So what's the most interesting culture, dance, or music that you've been exposed to or experienced that you're like, this is actually pretty awesome. I, I really enjoy this. I went to a wedding once that was like Eritrean. Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Eritrean, yeah. Yeah, and they do like a shoulder bounce thing that I'm obsessed with. And um, <laughs> when I need a little, when I, yeah, I sometimes can get into that. I like the dance. You can do that in the car. You can do that <laughs> down. Like it's kind of, that's kind of my favorite. Yes. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I was trying not to appropriate because I do like it. And then they make the noise with their tongue. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> well, and I'll show you a video uh, sometime. To, uh, yes, that'll be so fun. Of me, of me doing what I do. <laughs> <laughs> So I have a little bit more of a introspective question for you. So what is your favorite book and what is a lesson that it teaches or that or you taught you that you take away? Oh yeah, that is a that is an interesting one. So I like a lot of so I, I used to be really into self-help books um, and now I'm really into um not so much because they, <laughs> but what I will say is um, a book that really was life changing is the five second rule. And I know that sounds crazy, but I'm really into like productivity. And that's probably a book that's been the most practical to me. If you have, if you've ever heard, I think it's Mel, um, Mel Robbins, where she talks mm-hmm. about how you get past like the progress procrastination curve. Um, yeah. and, and by using this strategy called the five second rule. And that's something that I use every day. Um, I like that. That's really awesome. I like that. Um, Let me see. What? I know that you don't know exactly what area you want to go into, um, but what area most excites you um, in med school? Okay. Well, so you can tell me if I'm cheating or not. I will say, Mm -hmm. you're right. I don't know what area. But what I will say will be the most exciting if I find a specialty that allows me to work with a wide range of people. Okay. So newborns to, uh, you know, great grandparents, great, great grandparents okay. that allows me to do surgery as well as provide longitudinal care. So like some days I'm doing surgery, some days I'm not, and I can actually work people over time. And that allows me to um, just continue to innovate. So I don't know what that is yet, but that is what I'm looking for when I am looking at a specialty. I'm going to keep my thought internal and let it manifest <laughs> into what I think it may be. I'm really curious what it is. I have ideas, but I'm curious. I know. I know yeah. you want to know because you are a curious soul, but I'm going to, <laughs> I'm going to let you know in 10 years. Um, <laughs> or, or three if I or, can well because then isn't it like med school and then you specialize so I have to that? I'll have to determine a specialty um in the next three years so. oh really yeah yeah oh shoot okay well then maybe in two years I'll tell you okay um, <laughs> <laughs> but okay so my next question for you is um have you traveled out of the country and I guess this one can be a yes or no before I ask you your next question the I have on cruises okay I've not spent time outside of cruises 
Okay. So what's a place you've been or that you want to go that is like, this is my safe space or like happy space, like, or something that you feel weirdly drawn to, but like, it makes sense. You know what I mean? I really want to go to (laughs) Africa. Okay. And, um, and different parts of there of Africa. Um, but I am, yeah, I, I want to go to Africa and I, I don't know why I feel I'm really drawn to like African culture. I, I am mm-hmm. self-proclaimed African, mm-hmm. um, Nigerian based off my, uh, my ancestry. Oh, okay. So- Brother. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So mm-hmm. I, I tell people that they're like, no, you're not. But like my mom, her studies were like 40 something percent Nigerian. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I tell people that I, I got a little bit of that in me. So I think Africa, just because I feel like that's like the motherland and yeah. I want to go there and learn and, and be around a whole country of people that look like me. So yeah, that's awesome. Oh. Alrighty. That was oh. my question. So Amber, do you have another one? No, I think we're good to wrap it up. So oh. Mike, we really appreciate you. We're going to have to, I, I'm dead serious about taking this offline and figuring out like more uh, how we're intertwined with each other at IU because I feel like it's all just a blur uh for me for me I don't even know but oh no then never mind (laughs) I mean I can tell you yeah we we probably were right it's not that many how many was it three percent of us at IU I mean yeah and only about like less than one percent in Kelly but we won't even go there and the Um, same in biology too so yeah biology yes yeah yeah Uh, you walk into a 500 lecture hall and there's one maybe two (laughs) but anyways yeah yeah true that Thank you so much for coming on, Mike. I'm so excited to see where your future endeavors land you. And I also, um, yeah, so I will let you know what my guess is, uh, or at that time will be was anyways, uh, when it's relevant. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Thank you guys for having me. It's been fun. Um, No problem. All right. Bye guys. Bye. So we hope you all enjoyed that conversation with Mike Spencer. We had a very all over the place, but also centralized conversation about medicine and his education and how education is key. And me and him um, definitely share that sentiment about our love for science and the love for learning. I think if you love science, it's kind of one of those situations where you have to love to learn because we're learning so much about um, most of the sciences that exist to this point, but biology specifically for our frame of reference. And I would even go deeper and say physiology, which is um, kind of on both of our levels within human health, um, physiology makes a big difference. Um, So yeah, I hope you all got some takeaways. Amber, did you have a takeaway you want to share? I mean, I, I think the biggest takeaway for me is that, um, I didn't know that he had started off in the business school like that. I was like, what? (laughs) I was like, hold on, did I, did I miss that part? Cause I was there too. And so, uh, I knew we had to take that offline, but, um, I mean, most of the things that we talked about yesterday, I was already somewhat familiar with Mike and he, he's definitely an open book. If you get him, if you engage with him, 
you're mm-hmm. not going to just come out here and just lay everything out and, you know, tell his business unless you engage with him. And so yeah. I always appreciate um, him because he's always very much a straight no chaser. Like, yeah. even if it comes off very like brunt, you know, he's just, you know, you know where you stand with him. And so I appreciate that transparency because I like people for me some people might think not not necessarily Mike in any aspect but some people might think that it's kind of like you know a lot to to have someone that will truly tell you how they feel no matter you know how filtered they won't filter it and for me I appreciate that type of personality because I am that personality (laughs) to a certain extent. I I feel that you have a lot of like flowery language a lot of the time. uh, I can, I've I've learned to be very tactful Mm -hmm. um, and because I care about people's feelings Mm -hmm. um, and I, and I know everyone's communication style is very different. Yeah. So I, I've learned, I've built emotional intelligence enough to be able to switch my yeah. approach. Yeah. Like Taylor, I can be very direct with Taylor. My husband, I can be very direct with him. Um, and I think those are probably the, the, the two relationships that I, I am constantly outside of Bianca. Uh, I probably have to say those three are the ones I engage with the most. Yeah. So like you, they, they will see me on good and bad days, you know? And so you will get the full raw of me versus, you know, if I don't engage with you every day, sometimes you might get, you know, a good, uh, you know, you might see different sides of me. Yeah. And if I'm in a, you know, decent mood or depending on what's going on with that person, I might choose my words wisely because I know that that person doesn't need me to be, you know, that way. Yeah. I'm tactful and at work. I'm definitely tactful. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyways, Mike coming on was awesome. Um, I enjoyed, I think that was my biggest takeaway was just like, you know, just hearing his story and it was very parallel and consistent with what we celebrated last weekend, which was him going, getting into medical school and his a family being so excited for them to have a first doctor in their family. And, um, and, you know, Mike is one of the only family members that is in his like, you know, most recent or way he grew up as far as a male figure that um, has higher education yeah so um he's a role model for his loved ones and so I think that constant um being a role model not only for his family that love him and his friends that love him but then also the youth and the children he's responsible is aligned with everything that he does and so so yeah it was really good so we hope that you guys enjoy it yeah enjoyed it um because you listen to it if we if you've made it this far in the podcast um (laughs) that's true and so let us know uh what you took away from it so what's the self-care tip of the week self-care tip of the week so um this goes into the word of the week if you all haven't uh picked it up but every time I kind of choose the word of the week 
for concept of the week um, for this to include this week uh, and that type of thing. Um, it usually follows up in the self-care tip of the week. So the belief effect um, comes into it's it's time to manifest. So manifestation, um, very complicated in the way that like people think a lot of times that manifesting is very passive, but it is not um, manifesting does have action to it. It's not just, I believe that I will be the queen of the world and you become the queen of the world. So I believe I'm the queen. I will be the queen of the world. So I need to act accordingly. I need to do the queen of the world duties. Um, and that's what brings you there. Right. So, um, I've realized that, and, and through, actually Jaleesa, um, that I have manifested a lot of things that have came to fruition in this year. Uh, as much as, you know, things don't look the way that I thought they would look, um, I will be transparent in that. Um, it's still something, it's a movement, it's a, uh, a, a change in energy and a, a vibrational I'm trying to not be too woo-woo because Amber I already see her lips pursed but um <laughs> it is a vibrational like uh feeling in the way that it's like okay like I'm not here but this is something that I wanted and I uh needed this journey and it aligns along the path that I believe that I'm meant to be on and um manifesting and some active ways um to give you all some actions to take writing down what it is that you want now rethink a uh vision board um over the past few years to be completely honest I don't know if I am not I need to maybe set a ritual around doing my vision boards at the beginning of the year or end of the year um but I don't feel that they have necessarily been entirely like reflective, which I guess a vision board is not supposed to be. It's not, I don't have 2020 vision, even in my natural sight. So in that energetic <laughs> sight, um, I'm sure that I don't, I'm not fully there and it's not supposed to all come true, but I definitely know as goals and things of that sort of like things that I have brought now I didn't have moving to Chicago on my vision board but I manifested it in a way where there's there's like slim to no chance that I should be here um just based off of how I got this job um <laughs> to me being here now so um but I always I said Indiana wasn't it for me and then I moved to Chicago and then I moved back to Indiana. So yeah, it's like one of those things where you go on this journey and you're like, oh, I'm meant to be here to learn a lesson. And then you go back to the, the energy that allows you to grow higher. So like maybe I'll return here. Anyways, so active manifesting looks like setting a, a ritual of sorts. Like it can be as simple as, having a cup of tea and maybe a prayer or meditation before you 
write down um, what exactly uh, you're there to manifest. So I have some manifestations that I'm going through right now um, that I'm, I've kind of discovered that I need to manifest this and just a random thought and conversation that I had with individuals. Um, and uh, yeah, so you set a ritual, <clears throat> whatever works for you. Uh, grab a pen and paper, write it down, and then put it away and refer to it as much or as little as necessary um, as you go through the actual um, process, I guess, of making that come to fruition. So um, that can be like, I want a green four-door car. Okay. Um, and I wanted to have these features and maybe right now you can't find the green that you want or the feature, the green with the features and all of those type of things. So, um, put it down on paper and use it as a reminder and an affirmation of, okay, things are coming. Energy is shifting. This, this will come into my, um, awareness when it's time and when it, or something better that I didn't even think of at this current moment. So manifesting, um, it's tricky, but it is active. It's not passive. So that's what I got for you. Manifest what you want. Alrighty. So Amber, what is your tip of the week? So I kind of have two tips, um, but they're aligned. So um, the overall arching theme is, uh, I know we talked about like mid-year check-ins and stuff like that in previous episodes, but sometimes it's easy to just say, yeah, check in with yourself, look at your goals, figure out, are you there? And if you're not, reassess them. Because I think we talked about that either last episode or the episode prior to that. I have an application for you this year or this, this episode. This week. Yep. Yes, this week. And so um, I had my uh, mid-year discussion today at work and uh, that was good and it's always nice because um, depending on the company you work for there is an HR like template that kind of mm -hmm. helps you like figure out like what you what you're working towards you yeah. know like some type of documentation or outline for you and your manager to have a conversation about so I always think of that but the, I, I struggled to find something that was more on the personal side that mm. can help me like reflect. And I, I don't know if you guys have ever used this best self journal or the self journal. Um, it's really good. It's actually the first journal that I ever had. It's a planner too. Um, and it's very, it's really based off of like mindset and different things like that. And so they add, like, they just want you to be intentional with your time with your activities. They also give you some space to doodle and stuff like that so that you can have that free thinking. But anyways, they have digital products, which is like new because they didn't used to have this when I first got the self journal, but they evolved so much. They even have a podcast and I feel like everybody has podcasts. Um, <laughs> and so including, including us, we have podcasts. <laughs> um, we are everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like, you got a podcast, you got a podcast, you got a podcast. But anyways, 
So they have this mid-year review. Um, and I, of course, I'm extra with the clipboard and I put it in some like plastic sheets. Laminate. She I know, done. like yeah. so extra. So y'all can't see this, but Taylor can. She's like, no. <laughs> like, why? Why are we here? Um, but anyways, it's like a like a t- maybe 20 page document and I, or no, 15, uh, 13, 13 page document. And um I can't remember if it was free, but at most it was like five bucks. Yeah. And it literally like walks through. So this is more from a personal standpoint. Like, what were your goals for this year? Uh, what are your, what are you, what are your values? And trying to figure out if your goals that you initially set actually align with your personal values. And then mm. like, it has you rate, you know, rate how you're doing in like, different areas of your life, whether it's your work, your career, your relationships, your health, fitness, home, family, mindfulness, and like finances. And then you go through like reflecting on what happened, like, why is this going so well? or Why is this not? Anyways, like I haven't gone completely through it, but it's really helpful, especially if you're into like um, writing down and journaling this could be a good way to kind of like uh, be a little bit more intentional with your journaling because there's prompt questions and they build upon each other so that you can figure out like what are you doing with the remaining uh rest of your year and so I'll share the show notes in the show notes for for this in particular but the second part to this which is also similar to this was it mentioned about like finances in here And so anybody that knows me knows that I have all the spreadsheets, all the everything. And so um, one of the areas that I wanted to be a little bit more mindful on, especially as we're getting more towards the end of the year and Christmas is coming up, Thanksgiving, like always towards the end of the year is when things kind of just like fall apart. (laughs) Literally, literally, it's like the first half of the year, good with savings, good with, you know, everything. Summer comes and shaky. And then like, by the time September comes, the whole bottom to fell out. So like, I just want to be more mindful. And so I just purchased and I talked about finances and then I'm over here buying something. But there is, uh, it'll be good. Uh, it'll help me get the finances, be my, more mindful of the finances. And so mm-hmm. um, there is this woman, like alias, her name is, um, I think her name is Lori. Uh, her name, I think her name is actually Lori. And she owns this company or blog. She started off a blog called um, The Penny Pincher or whatever. She was into all this coupon and stuff. And we're not going to go down that that whole rabbit hole but anyway she was doing a blog and then she ended up turning things into like products and so I have her home planner which I like literally it's the it's the most beautiful planner I've ever had in my entire life and she has a finance planner that goes with it that is very similar to this best self planner that like literally goes into like, what are your goals for this year? What are you doing? You know, kind of prompts you, helps you be mindful every day about what you're spending your money on and like track those goals and those expenses. And the reason why she she created it because it was very personal to her, her and her husband went through a lot of financial things at the beginning of their marriage and they were just broke. They didn't have money. They had, I think she has three or four kids um 
and they weren't making a lot of money. And I think she might've been staying at home too Mm -hmm. because they had so many kids. And Mm -hmm. so, you know, it's just a lot for one person to kind of take on most of the household. And it's a lot also being a stay at home mom. I've never, I've only had dips and dabbles of that. Uh, and that's harder than going to work. So, um, cause you can't leave it. You can't leave your kids, you know, you gotta deal with them all day. Mm-hmm. And so, um, so I just have learned so much from her and she has like workshops and stuff and all that other stuff. So I'll share both planners in the show notes. Uh, I'll share this review. It's not a planner. It's more of like a journal. And then mm-hmm. I'll share her planner obviously it's kind of expensive because she adds like stickers and envelopes and all, all these tools to kind of help you get towards those goals. Mm -hmm. But she had, she also has a digital product. Um, Mm -hmm. that's only like 16 bucks. That is literally the same thing as the physical book that she sends you in the mail. It's just, you have to print it for yourself and it's really nice, very color coordinated, everything. So I actually will say, what I'll do is I'll share the digital products in the show notes and then you can figure out if you want to do a hard copy or not. Yeah. So yeah, so that is the tip that I will give to you guys. Just be, since we're still in July, you know, it's never too late to kind of reflect on what you currently had been doing and reassess and figure out like, what do you want to do these last couple of months, whether it's dealing with your finances or whether it's just assessing where you are personally uh and maybe you know use some type of mind provoking prompts that could help you figure out you know what you want to do for the remaining of the year so so yeah winter is coming it is but uh yeah thank you for the tips of the week yes yes so taylor where can you find us you can find us on Instagram at theinnercircle.podgals. You can also send us an email to theinnercircle.podgals at gmail.com. Yes. And don't forget to rate, subscribe, share, and follow on all platforms. Um, and obviously, if you're sharing, uh, like you can do that via text message, you know, social media, whatever you want to do. Continue yeah. to let, give us your feedback on these episodes each week. And we're so grateful and blessed that you guys have decided to spend an hour and a half with us. We do not take that lightly. So you guys enjoy your week. Keep going. Don't give up. And we will see y'all next Thursday. Indeed. Bye.